Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulihil kareem wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's your host Shabir Hassan uh, with you again for another podcast episode. Alhamdulillah. I uh, hope you're all enjoying it so far. Inshallah, we've had some amazing guests and it's no different for this episode because we've got someone. So the funny thing is we've had uh, guests, we've had international guests. We've had people from, you know, America, Canada, uh, maybe like across the sea, but today's guest subhanallah is not just from across the sea, he's literally from the <laughs> other side of the world for us here in the UK anyway. Uh, and uh, it gives me great pleasure to introduce uh, for today's episode our dear brother Dean Musa. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh brother. How are you today? Good. Alhamdulillah. How are you? Alhamdulillah. Thank you for having me. Alhamdulillah. It's, uh, honestly, it's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, like I said, it, you've come from so far. <laughs> so <laughs> welcome to the UK, of course. Is, not your, is this your first time here? This is my first time, man. Yeah. It won't be my last, inshallah, man. <laughs> inshallah. It won't be my last, inshallah. inshallah. So, I mean, you've come all the way from Australia, uh, <laughs> to be more precise, Sydney, isn't it? And mashallah, like um, us, you know, brothers and sisters here in the UK, the Muslim community, we're very insp- much inspired by what's happening in Sydney right now because of the fact that you guys are very active, actually. And there's a lot of khair, a lot of good coming out uh, from Sydney. And actually, that's what I wanted to kind of touch on right at the beginning is... Um, to talk about some of the stuff that uh, people like yourselves, mashallah, you're getting involved with uh, uh, over over in Australia, in Sydney. Um, and there's there's so many things that I guess we could talk about. Um, some of the projects, like I, I remember Ilmfeed quite quite some time back has already shared some videos, right? That's For great. example, helping the homeless. That's one. Um, so how about if you introduce yourself, inshallah, just to tell us a bit about some of the projects briefly, like... Feeding the Homeless, for example, um, in the Qur'an project and things like that. Some of the things that you've been involved with, inshallah. Allah barik feek. So alhamdulillah, uh, a few brothers and myself, we started Brothers in Need uh, in 2015. Um, and it started off as, I guess, a, if you want to say, a knee-jerk reaction to uh, some of the issues that were happening uh, locally and globally around the world. Mm. Uh, at the time, there was the Lint Siege Cafe uh, incident in Martin Place. Um, and also uh, what was happening around uh, the parts of the Middle East. So alhamdulillah we started this uh, initiative uh, and it started with uh, feeding the homeless. Okay. So And that was uh, an initiative we started once uh, a fortnight initially mm. and alhamdulillah over the years uh, it's established itself to to grow uh, six days a week over two states. Wow. So currently we're in New South Wales, <clears throat> uh, Brisbane and next month we're actually starting on the Gold Coast. Okay. So Alhamdulillah, just did you, sorry, did you say South Wales? Yeah, a New South Wales. A New so South Wales. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so you ask so people here. We're just going to get confused because <laughs> we have a Wales here as well. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alhamdulillah, that's that's amazing. So I think that's, I mean, that's such an important. Because um, the thing is, I, I guess if we touch even on the word that word itself, which is like, you know, a lot of people would think it's quite direct. Let's just go to someone who's never been exposed to Islam before and just in your face, kind of, here's a Quran, take it. Um, you know, this is Prophet Muhammad, etc. And we just go into it. But actually, this is a type of da'wah which is really important, which is, it's through one's actions, right? Most so I, I'm sure, you know, from your experience, maybe going out, feeding the homeless, um, of, of course, many of them would, would probably either be non-Muslim, never heard of, you know, Islam before, never had an interaction with Muslims. So how do you, I want to, it's interesting to just know, how do you kind of go about that? Do you have a, a, a kind of approach where, you know, are you direct? Or do you th- do things more in a subtle way? Do you just let your actions talk in that sense? So you summed it up quite well. Is it, mm. We find that our actions speak louder than words, as the saying goes. Mm. So alhamdulillah, from the beginning of it, uh, you know, we start off with a very brief, simple reminder, uh, smiling in the face of your brothers at charity. Mm. Uh, you know, even to us, when we give the food out, we don't wait for them to take it. We're actually on the forefront of giving it to them so they don't feel vulnerable in that position. Yeah, yeah. You know, so when you're on the forefront of actually giving mm. and you're smiling in their face, you know, you can imagine some of these people, they might see, you know, brothers with beads <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. you know, are they out in the middle of the <laughs> night in modern place? <laughs> Sometimes it could be quite scary when yeah. you've got, you know, 20 or 25 odd uh, volunteers out and about. But alhamdulillah, uh, over the last uh, four years, We've been able to build rapport, mm. uh, you know, with the poor and needy on the streets. So we've got like a relationship where we have first name basis. They know us and we know them. Mm. Um, and even to the extent, alhamdulillah, yani we've had people actually accept Islam. 
really uh, with us. Yeah, and we actually don't give out any literature. So for us, it's that action mm. that really, uh, I guess, speaks volumes. Um, and subhanAllah, there was actually one incident where um, uh, one of the, the, the homeless people actually asked for a jumper. We were giving out jumpers on okay. a night, cold night in winter, mm. and we actually ran out of jumpers. So one of the volunteers actually gave the jumper that was on his back wow. Uh, wow. You know, to, to this homeless person. Yeah. A year later, he comes up and he says, I've been watching you guys for a year, mm-hmm. and there hasn't been an agenda. You haven't come out and you know forced us to read your literature. Yeah. Uh, you've never really directly talked to us about Islam. Uh, and I actually want to accept Islam now because of oh, what I've seen mashallah. over the year. Yeah. And that was just from a simple act of giving mm. uh, him our jumper. You know? So subhanAllah, it is uh, those subtle uh, actions you know, uh, that are important, that do leave uh, marks in people's lives. That's amazing. And I yeah. think that, I mean, that's a powerful lesson for, I think, for everyone really. It's just the fact that you just you just as in you don't like the like the brother said who actually accepted Islam. You don't have to have an agenda. You don't need to go out there thinking, right? I want to get X Y Z number of Muslims on the on the yeah. tally today. Literally, it's just about being a good human being, right? That's Most what definitely. our Prophet Islam taught us. Alhamdulillah. And uh, I actually want to also wanted to touch on yourself as well because I mean you also. Um, you know, you also needed that push yourself in terms of coming closer to the deen. Um, and subhanAllah, um, you know, if, if some people, mashallah, they see the work you're doing now, but then no one could possibly imagine the, the background that you've come from, uh, which is, I mean, you've sp- spoken about it before as well, in terms of coming from the background, from the nightclub scene, um, which I did want you to speak about, um, only because so we can kind of get an insight into the life that you were in, and then how things change around. Because, of course, the question would be for anyone is like, okay, how on earth did you come out of that lifestyle yes. and, uh, and, you know, come closer to the deen? So why, let, let's, let's ask the obvious question. What exactly were you doing uh, in terms of being, you know, I know you were working in the nightclub. So what exactly was your role and what kind of stuff were you getting involved with? So um, it started off just, being a normal person that would go to the clubs, you mm. know, uh, you know, once a week on the weekend, it yeah. started off as that. Nothing, um, I guess, you know, hardcore mm. uh, per se. Um, and then slowly, 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 uh, I got poached to actually be a promoter. So okay. that's how it started, you know, that they saw, uh, you know, m- maybe the personality that I had, uh, the people that I was bringing in. Uh, so, you know, the management kind of poached me. They said, you know, you might be a, a good fit. Uh, you know, for someone to actually promote our club uh, and in turn we'll give you uh, incentive, you know, we'll give you uh, money per head that you bring in, Mm. uh, you know, we'll give you free drinks. Uh, And that's kind of how, you know, it started, you know, we'll get your, uh, you know, friends half price entry. And so, you know, back then... you were actually literally like pulling people into the the, the club. Yeah, into the club. And so... Back then, you know, you turned 18, mm. you know what, I thought, you know what, a bit of extra money on the side would work, uh, you know, you wouldn't have to pay uh, money for, you know, uh, alcohol that, you know, people yeah, would yeah. pay uh, exorbitant amounts of money for, um, you know, you're kind of the cool guy, you know, mm. you, people drop your name on the door and in they yeah, go yeah. without waiting in line and, you know, it, that life is glorified, unfortunately, in the West uh, and unfortunately, you know, that lifestyle, uh, it dragged me in from about 18 to about 24 Mm. Um, and I guess as every year progressed uh, I moved on to different things you know so other opportunities open up as they would working in a particular industry Um, you know from clubs uh, it turned into concerts Uh, so you know whenever they had like Usher or Chris Mm. Brown come out you know these uh, bigger concerts would ask me to promote for them Mm. Uh, festivals um, you know, you had your stereosonic festivals and those big uh, festivals where international artists would come in. Uh, so I'd promote for them uh, to the extent where I actually started uh, organizing my own boat cruises. Right. Uh, and so when you move from a promoter to, I guess, to a, uh, a you know, an event manager mm. uh, and you run your own event, there's actually a lot more money to be made because right. you're controlling the whole event. Yeah, yeah. You know, so... Unfortunately, along the way, you know, I did get caught up in different vices, uh, you know, so, you know, you had unfortunately, uh, you know, drug abuse, you had alcohol abuse, uh, you know, there was gambling Mm -hmm. and obviously the other vices that 
uh, come along with this lifestyle. Um, so subhanallah, يعني, it, kind of, it came to an end uh, at the age of 24. Um, I had my 24th birthday party, you know, booked out like a club in the city. Yeah. You know, I had the, you know, a table, typical Australian, you know, you have mm. a hotel room, you have a table. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, <clears throat> I, I, didn't, I didn't see the night through. I ended up uh, having an overdose of alcohol and drugs, passed out. Uh, night ended quite fast. Mm. Um, woke up the next morning. Don't know what had happened. Saw videos of myself, you know, being circulated around uh, friends and online. And mm. I just thought to myself, was this really the lifestyle that I wanted for myself? Uh, you know, I was engaged in this, you know, for about six years. Mm. Imagine for the next six years of my life, you know, do I want to engage in the same thing? Am I going to get anywhere with my life? Am I even going to, am I going to be alive to see 30? Mm. So those questions kind of took place and it took place quite fast in my mind. Uh, and I actually made a conscious decision that day. That was it. It's uh-huh. not happening again. Literally the day after. Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah literally. You know, the body was in pain. Mm. You know, all the, the alcohol and the drugs that was consumed. And you just deep reflection, very deep reflection, you mm. know, in that one day. I just made the decision. You know what? Cold turkey. I'm not doing it again. Mm. Alhamdulillah. Yani from then, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala positioned me with good brothers, good environment. Um, and then... Opportunities opened up in the da'wah, and that's kind of where, yeah, uh, yeah. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala may have used that skill set, you know, calling people to haram per se, mm. now calling them to to khair, you know, calling them to to feed the poor and needy, to visit the sick in hospital, visit mm. the elderly in the nursing homes, um, you know, be involved in in different institutions. Alhamdulillah, like I teach at one of the largest Quran colleges uh, in Australia, um, involved in a, a, a Quran project. So I feel like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, took me through this journey in his ultimate wisdom mm. uh, and, it, and allowed me to see the other side. Unfortunately, I knew a lot of people that never saw that Mm. Uh, that side uh, that unfortunately passed away in that in that scene mm. so oh. and alhamdulillah i'm i'm very grateful um and like allah mentions in the quran you know mm. you know and if you are grateful um you know i will surely give you more mm. and so this is a, like yani, a very uh, popular a that resonates with me you know sure, because yeah. uh and i'm very grateful that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't take my soul Imagine at that point in time, you know. So, Alhamdulillah, yani, Alhamdulillah. in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, no, Alhamdulillah. You know, especially that age you mentioned, like that, you know, 18 to 24. That is pretty much, even until today, that's the age where a lot of youngsters, they are lost. Yes. And they do get involved in these types of activities. And this is the age where, you know, it's, it's around that age where you start asking yourselves these questions as well because it's kind of like that transition where you're becoming a bit more mature and you have to start making decisions in life like okay what's the next step and subhanAllah I think it's quite amazing like it was actually during that particular kind of uh, you know that particular those particular years where you went through all of that and you saw that life uh, but then you decided to, to come out of it and the other interesting thing you mentioned was the fact that you used the same skills which subhanAllah <laughs> you were using for something which is haram yes. but now you're able to utilize it for something which is good I think that's an important lesson for, for everyone as well um, you know like sometimes we might not be the best public speakers or you know we might not be fit to become an imam or you know xyz but actually we have other skills which we use in our jobs which we can actually use for for that word as well so i think that's amazing uh, and it's very inspiring so i to hear that story uh, and it kind of reminds me of what some of the sahaba said as well how you know if you the one who doesn't recognize jahiliya doesn't actually fully recognize islam it's only when you come from from that lifestyle subhanallah so no thank you for for sharing uh, you know that story with us but i guess now the other question is for people who are listening and watching is you know there might be a, a lot of people that are still stuck in that lifestyle that are trying to come out alhamdulillah you made it out and one, one important point you mentioned was having good company. So what would your advice be to those brothers and sisters, that are, whether it's in Australia, in the UK, around the world, that are stuck but are trying to make it out? Well, you hit the nail on the head. You know, good company is paramount. Mm. Um, alhamdulillah, like I'm involved in many uh, any opportunities to, to help those people that, you know, have those questions. How do I get out? Mm. How do I stop? How do I do more? Um and it's the same kind of message that I'm saying. It, your environment is key. Um, I remember when I, I left that 
scene, you know, the nightclub scene, I made that conscious decision. I had people that would call me every Friday night because uh, in Sydney, Friday night, Saturday night, they're yeah. the nights that you go out. Yeah, yeah. So I made a decision where I told them, if you call me on Friday or Saturday or Sunday, I will not pick up. <laughs> and like clockwork, they would call me. <laughs> and it went on for about 6 to 12 months. Wow. So the shaitan was still yeah, trying yeah. to suck me into uh, that lifestyle. Obviously, mm. the shaitan comes in many ways and shapes mm-hmm. and forms. Um, you know, he, he won't tell me now, per se, go clubbing. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's just not... Uh, something that he he'll pull me into mm. now, you know. But back then, if I had picked up, uh, it could have been problematic. And so sometimes we lie to ourselves and we say, you know what, I'm strong, I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. That particular person that you know I might, you know, do things that may not be pleasing to Allah. I'll see them. Yeah. I'll engage with them. It's fine. I'm strong enough. And I've seen it so many times before, you know, where someone might. Uh, you know, have made the decision not to go back. And once they feel like, you know what, they're strong enough, they'll take that phone call. They'll go mm. see that old friend. And they've compromised that environment. And hence, they end up falling back, uh, unfortunately, on their faces, uh, involved in the different sins and vices yeah. that they were engaged in. So I know it, it may be hard, and it's something that, you know, we've heard before, and we've heard over and over and over again, your mm. environment, your environment... Um, but really, that is a solution. It is a hard decision to make because sometimes you may enjoy yourself so much more with some of those people mm-hmm. than you might, you know, on the dean. You know, it, it may yeah. not be cool, you know, to hang out with certain people. But I can guarantee you, uh, once you keep that uh, sohba, you know, that friendship, that mm-hmm. environment, uh, you know, uh, in a, uh, a, a strong way. It will help you grow as an individual. So when you do sit with yourself and the shaitan tells you, you know, get involved in this thing mm. that displeases Allah, you'll have that good environment to fall back on, whether it's your friends, whether it's your family, whether it's your spouse, um, you know. So definitely environment is paramount. Whatever way you can create yourself like a force field, a barrier, and have, have multiple barriers, yeah, yeah. you know, because if one barrier falls... You have another barrier, you know, mm. you have another fortress per se that will kind of, you know, soften that blow, soften mm. that call, uh, you know, to engaging in vice and sin. I, I, I want to move on now to, um, you know, one of the main kind of discussions I wanted to have uh, on this episode, which is some of the work that you're involved with now in Australia, helping a lot of youngsters. Of course, I'm sure you, uh, you, you know, you help a lot of youngsters. Again, similar backgrounds that we're talking about. But more specifically, something that maybe isn't spoken about enough is, um, in general, addiction. So, of course, addiction can come in many forms. Um, you can have, like, drug addiction. Um, you can have, you know, even nowadays, social media addiction. Like, yep. people just can't stay away from these <laughs> apps, right? Uh, and, and those are important. But then you have other things, which is, like, the kind of um, online... Uh, visual addiction, uh, more specifically pornography, which is a huge issue. And again, even though you're from Australia, here in the UK, people listening from across the uh, around the world, everyone can everyone knows that this is a huge problem in society at large, but also within the Muslim community, and it's not spoken about enough. Uh, and mashallah, like you, you are actually there on the grassroots level, um, you know, dealing with these issues. And that's one thing that I wanted to speak about. I guess the first question before anything else is how like did you <laughs> kind of like get like did you just sort of like one day think that you know what I've identified there's a problem I've come up with a solution so like how did you get involved with 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 this kind of thing yeah. and and what sort of steps are you taking to help brothers and sisters out there well look I guess we all went to school once upon a time and mm. you know, conversations in schools were like oh hey you know uh, open this link and you know it will help you with your homework and <laughs> you open <laughs> and the then, link yeah, yeah. and unfortunately you'll see images that It'll be very hard to get out of your mind. Mm. Uh, and so everyone at some point is exposed to it, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally. Uh, I've even had some of my students, you know, exposed to it uh, as early as uh, 9 and 10 years old. Mm. So uh, obviously the environment, once again, you know, once you have those people, whether it's in a school environment, whether it's your cousins, mm. you know, mm-hmm. they find this stuff hilarious at a younger age. And so some people don't go past it. Unfortunately, you know, what they've seen, 
uh, entices them, intrigues them, and it, it turns from, you know, viewing this once a week, you know, to a couple times a week, to once a day, mm. to multiple times a day. And then the addiction, you know, it, it's something that it stays with them for a very long time. So, subhanAllah, back in 2017, um, a brother, Ustaz uh, Well Ibrahim, mm. um He's been, uh, I guess, talking about the dangers of pornography addiction for about eight to ten years now. And okay. he travels the world, uh, you know, alongside Mufti Menk and the likes of mm. the Mufti. And, and he talks about it, uh, you know, on stage in conferences and events about the dangers of uh, pornography addiction. Mm. And so he had a couple of workshops uh, in Sydney. And so, you know, we were told about the workshop. We said, oh, you know what, very interesting. Mm. Uh, a brother and I, we went to it. And subhanAllah, like we just started sharing the, statist- the statistics uh, on our social uh, social media platforms. Yeah, That's all we did at the time. We just shared the stats and they were quite frightening statistics. And before you know it, you know, people started reaching out to us. Oh, hey, I know someone who's addicted. Or, hey, mm. I'm addicted. Or, hey, you know, uh, you know, someone that I, that I love or is close to is addicted. So it kind of was an unintended outcome, really, yeah, like, yeah. you know... It wasn't something that I, you know what, thought, you know what, this should be an interesting yeah, topic to yeah, help yeah. people with. Um, it just started off as something as just sharing data about mm. how prevalent it is. And subhanAllah, once like, uh, you know, we saw that, uh, you know, was arising, uh, I actually reached out to the, to Ustaz uh, Wael Ibrahim and I told him, look, like, <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. so he he's been running like uh, workshops for quite some time. So he's done a few certification programs for us in Sydney, yeah. um, in Perth as well. And uh, he, you know, over the last year and a half now, he's just been building our knowledge in regards to this. Mm. Um, and you you did mention it. You said addictions do share do share the same kind of patterns. So whether yeah. it's drug addiction, alcohol addiction, gambling addiction, mm. uh, sex addiction, they're all kind of in the brain. Yeah. They share the same kind of pathways. Mm. So, Subhanallah, that's kind of where uh, it started. Initially, the there was a bit of backlash, you know. Yeah. Even my mother-in-law, she'd be like, to my wife, she's like, why is, why is your husband always talking about pornography for? <laughs> What's wrong with this guy? Is he addicted? <laughs> <laughs> so my wife, obviously, because she, you know, she understands the context, understands, yeah. you know, how it came about. She was able to explain that this is a problem, just like any other problem mm. that, that our community uh, faces. And then my mother-in-law like started, you know, because she follows me on social yeah, media. Yeah. <laughs> she started, you know, sharing this content. Oh wow! So yeah. it's something that because it's there's so much shame, uh, you know, associated to it. Mm. Um, it's a taboo topic, you know. How dare we talk about this? People are genuinely struggling, uh, mm. you know, and they they are crying out for help. Mm. So. Alhamdulillah, like my personality, uh, very uh, thick skin. So I'm not fussed by what the people say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so Alhamdulillah, I was able to keep sharing that content without mm. worrying what people would say. Be like, oh, you know, you, you yeah, walk yeah, down yeah. the streets, you'd be like, oh, look at that porn guy. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not the best title to have, you yeah, know. <laughs> but uh, you look at the. The benefits, the results, uh, yeah, the yeah. results. Yeah, in in 2018, last year, I had about 25, uh, you know, people reach out to me mm. that are clients, and you know, we we put strategies in place and we have discussions, and mm. that's 25 people I wouldn't have reached out to. Of course, um, you know, that's that's 25 people I know of. It's probably more people that have been following that yeah, I don't yeah, know about yeah, that are yeah. still shy, that are still, uh, you know, struggling with the concept within themselves. Mm. So over time, um, you know, I can imagine more and more people reaching out. Mm. Um, unfortunately, because of, you know, where we are in Sydney, you know, I've had actually people, uh, you know, in Bangladesh, you know, in, in different parts of the world that have reached out saying, you know, and they start off by saying, help me, I'm drowning, I'm, uh, you know, mm. uh, they're, they're very upset with themselves because, you know, it does have uh, negative consequences uh, yeah. on yourself. Uh, one thing I was going to say is like, what is the first step in terms of, because a lot of people, they have addictions, but maybe uh, they don't even know they're addicted. Have you like, have you come across that? Like, for example, social media, there's like yeah. a common one with everyone, like, we don't actually know how addicted we are to social media. As in, we know we use it a lot, but then where's like, how do you know 
you know, whether, you know, you're just kind of, I don't know what the, what the right word is, but like the borderline, there's, there must be a fine line between just kind of excessive, you know, watch, I watch TV a lot, I use social media a lot, to like, no, I'm actually addicted. So I guess with pornography, of course, um, you know, if someone is, um, you know, consuming, let's just say pornography, but then how would you know that that person has reached a level of addiction where it's detrimental um, to that level, I guess? So where's what's the first step that you, you would not usually see in some of these people? So I'll ask a question back, and this mm. question was kind of, it was given to me. Mm -hmm. So let's use like an example where someone is addicted to smoking, right? right? So say someone that smokes one cigarette a day, mm. someone that smokes one cigarette a week, mm. one person that smokes one <clears throat> cigarette a month, and they've been doing this for 10 years, which one of them is addicted? The one that's doing it. So the first one was what, once a? It was once a day. Once a day, right? Once a week or once a month. Okay, it must be. But normal. they've been doing it for 10 years, all three of them. Right. Which one do you think oh, is addicted? It's a tricky question. <laughs> that is a tricky question. The question's back on you now. <laughs> I mean, for me, it must be the it must be the person that's doing it once a day, uh -huh. as in uh, in general, he's doing it more, right? Yep. So there, you said it. Addictions they vary, right? So some addictions they're done more regularly than others. Okay. I but see. looking at it from an outside perspective, they're all addicted, mm. but they're doing it at different levels. I see. You know, so that's how I would look at it. Someone would tell you, you know what, I'm not addicted, mm. but. Mm. He may not be as addicted as someone who's glued onto the phone compared to someone else who I does see. not get off the phone, but they all have different levels of addiction. Right. You know, because it's done continuously over mm. and over and over again. So, you know, it's important that they identify, you know, that this habit is something that they keep doing mm. over and over and over again. And that's what tends to happen with, with cigarettes. Yeah, it's a habit, you know. Someone that stops smoking, mm. the habit is that they always put their hand to their mouth. Yeah, so that's why yeah. they always try and find something to counter that with whether they eat. So you find a lot of people that stop smoking. Yeah, they put on a lot of weight yeah, because now yeah. instead of smoking, they're putting food mm. in their mouth. Mm. So there's the addiction side of things, you know. So they have those nicotine patches, for example. Yeah, and that that curbs the addiction, but then you have the habit. So. Uh, addictions work in that fashion. I was gonna. In terms of like age, have you come across um, a kind of uh, more specific or common age range <clears throat> of people who are more addicted to pornography, or would you say it varies? What have you kind of found from? So data is showing us yeah. that people are watching this younger and younger now, yeah. and due to smartphones being accessible. Mm. And that's that's one of the things because of its accessibility. Yeah, I'm sure you know we have nieces and nephews and cousins. Mm. How many of them under the age of five have devices? Whether it's tablets, whether it's yeah. iPads, everyone's on it. Everyone, you know? yeah. So, uh, you know, there's pornography like you mentioned, and there's a visual addiction banner. You know, so mm. you have the gaming addiction, you have the social media addiction, you have the pornography addiction. Um, but even like if you look at you know our kids. Uh, you know, they're addicted to watching, you know, Peppa Pig, for example, or, they, mm. you know, they're addicted to watching uh, Spider-Man or Superman yeah. or any of these shows. So these kids, sometimes, like, uh, you'll see it, uh, you know, we'll be out and about shopping or we'll be out doing something in a family gathering and the kid will start, okay, and yeah. here's a device. And they, stop, away, yeah, yeah. and they stop crying. <laughs> and you take it off them and see yeah, what happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it's <clears throat> different on every level. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a concern that unfortunately uh, we're not taking seriously mm -hmm. it's become an easy way to parent you know like parents now they're like you know what just give them the device it'll be fine yeah they're not asking me for anything they're not nagging me uh, and we see that a lot a lot um, you know in Sydney uh, in Australia um, it's an easy way to just keep the children quiet mm. you know just watch TV you know, just jump on a tablet, and it's and it, and the thing is, it's very difficult to monitor nowadays as well, isn't it? Most definitely. So we don't we don't really know when we get, when we hand that device over, whether it's a mobile phone or tablet, television, whatever it is, laptop. We can't really, you know. There's of course there's things you can there's, there there are measures in place, but really with the ease of it nowadays, you just you're on a normal website and a pop up comes up, you click on that, oh, that's it. Um, even certain social media kind of websites, it's very easy to lead onto these things. So, I mean, that kind of makes sense, what you're saying, that it's, it's happening at a much more younger age now. Um, but then I get, the question is, like, 
what do we do? You know, that that's I guess what's one of the main questions. Number one is what do we do? And then we'll come to also is, you know, coming out of the addiction, we'll kind of uh, cover that as well. But what measures have you kind of seen that we can put in place to avoid these things happening? Is it just the fact that we just literally do not hand <laughs> the mobile phone over to these kids uh, in, in your in your advice? So look, there's different there's different strategies for this mm. different demographics. So you know, if I'm a parent, I have to act like a parent. Like if mm. my kid tells me, "Give me the phone," I'm the parent. I should dictate to my child yeah. what to do. You know, I shouldn't be at their mercy because they're gonna start crying in public and they're gonna embarrass me. Mm. Here's the phone, because uh, you know, it, it, there's there's a system that I that I use. Uh, you know, and the science behind it. You have the reward system and then you have the bribing system. Right, so if I go to the shops, for example, and I take my child in there, and my child starts crying and running uh, like uh, running amok, you know, there's a tantrum. If I give them a chocolate today, mm. it keeps them quiet. They're in power because they've started the crying. I give them something in return to keep them calm, mm. right? And then as they get older, that chocolate isn't going to work for a fifteen-year-old now. <laughs> it worked when I was three. It's not going to yeah, work yeah. when I'm fifteen. Now it's, I'm going to want something bigger. But the reward system is I dictate in the beginning, if you're good while we go shopping, mm. I will give you something. So the power is in my hand. Yeah. So parents need to start acting like parents. You know, even at schools, teachers need to start acting like teachers. Mm. You know, I have a rule in my classroom for the three hours that we teach in the afternoon. No one to take their phones out. And that rule actually is applied on myself. So even I don't take my phone out. So that's a very important uh, concept that we, uh, you know, as as leaders, as as parents, as mentors, mm. we need to implement. We need to be a model, and we always look at the Prophet Sallam as a role model. You know, when he built his mosque, did he sit back, you know, and say, "Oh, companions, build it for me," or <laughs> did he, you know, start by building his mm. mosque? You know, in the different battles, you know, did he? You know, sit back in his tent and say, guys, go forward. Or was he mm. there on the front line? So we need to model uh, what we say. Because yeah. our, our, our children, you know, the youth, they they learn by what they see, not by what they mm. hear. And so that's very imperative, I find. And I, and I find that it, it works, you know. You, you, you'd think that, oh, yeah, but I'm the teacher, I'm allowed. Mm-hmm. That's, that's double standards. Yeah. You know, so that for me is a strategy that I've been using, uh, even at home. You know, with my wife, for example, um, we have a rule. You know, before we enter the bedroom, the phone stay in the kitchen. Mm. You know, so that way, then I'm not on my emails. You know, she's not on social media. I'm on social media, mm. and before you know it, we're on in bed for two hours. That that that's good quality time to speak to mm. your wife, to speak to your spouse. Mm. You know, to see how their day was. To sleep early, mm. that's a strategy. If you sleep earlier, you'll wake up for Fajr. <laughs> you see a lot of people don't wake up for <laughs> yeah. Fajr because, you know, yeah. for for various reasons. They sleep late, they're tired. Mm. So that, for me, uh, I find is a uh, is a good tool. Mm. You know, lead by example. Very good. Um, I want to speak about also the, the kind of, um, you know, we can we can talk about, of course, the, the kind of visual addiction, but also more specifically, uh, coming back to pornography in terms of the detriments, the, the, the bad effects of it. Because like you said, you've dealt with people, um, you've spoken to them, you've seen their background, you, you, you know, you, you've observed uh, what kind of life they've lived and, and, and the effects of that. So I want to speak about kind of what it affects. I want to speak about the kind of general um, detriments and then we can focus it more on like spirituality like spiritually what effect does it have even like you mentioned for example the fajr one is so common it's so easy to just stay on your phone up until i mean you get into bed at 10 p.m <laughs> but you don't sleep before midnight that's right, right. Yeah. and that those two hours will have an effect so even things like that just too much screen time for example is going to affect you generally we could say that's going to affect you maybe in terms of you know just mentally right um it's killing off creativity for example because you're not actually getting time to think you're just consuming 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 and then we could say spiritually things like you're going to wake up late you're going to miss fajr um etc etc so let's just kind of like uh, with with pornography for example with uh, you know the clients and the and the brothers sisters that you've dealt with what give us some maybe some stories of you know of some people that you've actually dealt with in australia look i'll tell you a detriment of it um mm. of viewing pornography um the statistic in Australia, if my memory serves me correctly, 65% uh, of people that view pornography, they use it as a form of sex education. 
So say in their earlier years, right, mm. in their teenage years, they want to learn about uh, about sex, yeah. right? So the sex education. So whether it's because they're going to have a girlfriend, boyfriend, mm. whether they want to get married, right? So 65% of these, uh, you know, people are getting their sex education from pornography. Now we have to look at what pornography teaches, mm. you know. So say, for example, you know, uh, there's different clips out there and clips will show, you know, the woman being choked, being mm. slapped, being degraded, mm. uh, you know, being spat on uh, because uh, pornography, the way it works is different to, to drug addiction. So you have pornography addiction and drug addiction. Drug addiction, you want more. Mm. So if I have some cocaine today, for example, in a month's time, you know, that that one bag of cocaine, for example, I want another bag of cocaine because yeah. the tolerance is getting higher, mm -hmm. right? But with pornography, you want different. You don't mm. want more. So today I might watch a particular kind of clip that won't do it for me anymore. So I'll move on to the next clip and then the next clip. Mm. And then as time goes on, it's getting worse and worse and more hardcore, mm. right? And this is like uh, research shows this. And also like, you know, with the clients that I've had, yeah. uh, they've also suggested this. Sometimes they'll watch content that they're disgusted about, but they, they tell me like, I can't help it, you know? So... That's a detriment, you know. Imagine someone that's been watching porn, you know, for 5, 10, 20 years. Mm. Imagine when, when they get married and they've watched and they've conditioned their minds to think that women like being degraded in that fashion, mm. being, you know, their hair pulled, you know, them being choked. They'll start doing that to their wives. Mm. And then you can imagine the stress that that will put on, you know, like a, a, a good girl that's been, yeah. you know, raised in a good environment. She's going to start thinking to herself, is this normal? Mm. And then she'll start, because she wants to please her husband, right? she'll start trying to uh, role play and act out on these fantasies that this guy mm. has had. So it's corrupted, uh, you know, their the, the way of processing uh, love and intimacy in relationships. Mm. Uh, and so they've taken uh, the woman as uh, an object, yeah. you know, that uh, fulfills their desires. And mm. in turn, they don't fulfill, you know, their wife's desires, you know, the intimacy, the love, the compassion, the mercy. Yeah. There, there, there doesn't, there's none of that. Everything Islam basically promotes and teaches. That's but I right. guess, I mean, it could just backfire as well. I mean, it, let's say the woman in the relationship could just completely be like, what on earth is this? And that could actually affect the relationship. I mean, even myself, I've come across cases where, you know, you have, you know, good, good brothers and sisters, but because of this, even if it, uh, you know, like previous kind of history, um, watching pornography, I mean, I, I had a case once where, um, you know, the wife, uh, you know, the wife actually caught the husband watching pornography and this, um, of course she was distraught and she was really distressed by this, yes. right? But then for her, that kind of answered the questions because when it came to them being intimate, he had certain expectations, um, of this intimacy between the husband and wife. And she couldn't cater towards that because she had never in her wildest dreams ever seen or thought about these things. But because he was consuming, what this now did was it completely affected the relationship as a whole where they're now on the brink of divorce Yep. because of these expectations. Have you, is that also something that you found that guys will have, or even girls, certain expectations when it comes to intimacy? Is that something you found as well? Yeah, most definitely. And it's something that people think, you know, well, once I'm married, I'll stop this. Mm. Actually, 50% of my clients back in Sydney, they're actually married with children. So mm -hmm. it doesn't leave anyone, you know. So most definitely, it is something that uh, uh, impacts relationships, it impacts mm. married people. And, uh, you know, I have had, you know, quite, um, quite distressing stories, you know, of clients of mine that you know, are religious people, you know, are yeah. people that have memorized the book of Allah, you know, they lead in mosques, mm. you know, and they've been impacted by pornography and they can't seem to shake it off, you know, because once again, imagine watching this content for years and years and years and years mm. on end. It's very hard uh, for them without the right strategies, without the right tips and advice yeah. uh, to be able to, to shake this off. And the effects, like on one particular case, uh, the person is not allowed to, like the, 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 the Mashaykh actually ruled in favor uh, of a divorce mm. because there was not just uh, pornography being watched, but he ended up, you know, cheating on his wife wow. multiple times, yeah. you know, with, you know, friends of his wife. And that then impacted the, the relationship with him and the children because, you know, now 
it's a broken family yeah, yeah. doesn't have much um you know to do with his children so it can uh, and does affect uh, the household you know mm. um so it is quite problematic and if if we don't start talking about it um it's not going to get any uh, any better mm. in terms of i think um like you know spiritually of course we we know there are going to be general i i think even from a, a health or physical physiological um perspective you know as far as i'm aware you know i've heard cases where you know it leads to things like again because of the expectations and everything else you know with the men it leads to things like um erectile dysfunction for example like I've heard, again i've heard of cases like this yep. so even from a health perspective actually you know uh because of things like masturbation for example which is completely unnatural and uh because of that process now when it actually comes to being intimate with with your with your own spouse these these things kick in so a lot of people don't actually realize that long term this is going to impact you have you also come across these kind of cases as well it's a very good uh very good point so there's a term called porn induced erectile dysfunction okay so my memory if it serves me correctly back prior 2006 mm. it was at around the 2% mark so between the ages of say 18 and 30 year olds mm. porn induced erectile dysfunction was quite low was at the 2% mark okay. in that age bracket and usually mm. erectile dysfunction is something that you know affects older men yeah 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 now after you know the uh, 2006 and uh, the the streaming of porn was mm. made a lot more accessible um that jumped up to 30% in 2015 if my memory serves me correctly wow. so it's a big jump from 2% percent jump, yeah. to 30% so one in 3 men mm. potentially have porn induced erectile dysfunction Now, erectile dysfunction you imagine at someone aged 18 to 30 who's in their prime so mm. to speak you know if if they can't you know uh use their bits then it can <laughs> have some uh, emotional uh, for family with... family planning yeah. that that's basically yeah. out of the window now that's right so it's, it's 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 sad and i did have a case where this this particular gentleman will change the story mm. parts of it for i guess the the confidentiality yeah. of the client um you know he was uh you know from overseas from overseas moved to australia um by himself so he had a lot of free time to himself um and then he started engaging in uh you know uh, going to brothels uh, mm. to, to fulfill you know those desires that he had at uh, one time his boss made a comment to him uh you know kind of sizing him up saying you know what i done one two three on the weekend you know mm. you probably done nothing and for him he actually took it seriously you know he actually took what he said seriously he's like and he started reflecting to himself and he started thinking why can't i talk to all these girls why can't i yeah. do all these things he wasn't from a religious <clears throat> environment and certain, and then he started having like uh, anxiety uh, to 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 the point where and these are from his own words when he'd go to the brothel after that mm. he couldn't you know perform so he'd actually you know go there nothing would happen he would go back home uh, uh, engage in drug abuse go mm. back to the brothel the same night and then uh you know it would uh, then you know it would work then it happened even worse so he'd go twice in a night and it didn't you know it didn't work then he started doing things with the same gender and he found that it worked mm-hmm. so in his mind you know he started thinking you know what maybe I, maybe you know mm. i'm down that particular uh, going down that particular path you know and then he broke down one time when he went to uh, you know the brothel and you know she told him like you know you need to seek some help so it can have it can go down different mini paths yeah. you know one particular case as well uh, ended up leading him to depression mm. uh, where he had suicide you know suicidal thoughts and ideation and he wanted to to jump uh, jump in front of a train You know, so he actually yeah. drove to the train station, um, and he wanted to, to commit suicide. And mind you, this particular case, he was a half of. So mm-hmm. when when I uh, like you know in one of our sessions, I had uh, like a particular ayah of the Quran being recited. You know, La Taqnatu Min Rahmatillah, and you know I had this verse being played, and his face like there was no movement. So then I paused the the clip and I asked him, "Do you understand what is being said?" And he said no I don't. And this person's a hafiz. So then I started giving him the translation of this particular verse mm. and he started crying. 
he burst out in tears. He said, the reason why I wanted to commit suicide, because I don't think Allah would forgive me for what I've done. Mm. So, subhanAllah, like, yeah, it has many detriments and many effects that some are visible and some are not. Like, you know, if we were to see someone that, you know, was addicted to ice or heroin, Mm. right, over 15 years, you'd see some physical changes. With pornography, there's no physical Mm. changes. So you wouldn't so you be able to tell, tell if someone needs help or not. So it's it's it is a struggle, but once again, you know, like in Sydney anyway, we started building a team of brothers yeah. and sisters to start talking about this. So we're talking about it at schools, we're talking about this at conferences, at events, mm. uh, at universities. Um, alhamdulillah, like you know, we're just upskilling ourselves. Yeah. Um, uh, we have like a one-on-one sessions. Mm. We're starting to do like online <clears throat> sessions. You know, because they yeah. say, like, statistically speaking, people, when they reach out for the first time, they like to do it anonymously. Mm-hmm. So having different facilities, you know, in the future, we want to have, like, a detox camp. So say, for example, you have a two, three night retreat, mm. and, you know, your phone gets confiscated, per se, the first mm. night. And you have different activities, you know, uh, to get the people off their devices. Mm. Uh, it won't obviously solve their problems yeah, in two, three days. But just for them to realize that they do have a problem, you know, mm. like even now, me being in the UK, I don't have, uh, you know, I don't have internet on my phone, you know, so I've got to go to the <laughs> coffee shop, you know, I'll go to yeah. my, you know, to my friend, you know, connect me to your a hot spot. Yeah. And then you realize yourself, like, subhanAllah, I'm always on my phone. I'm so. you are. Yeah, it's crazy. So, you know what, I just keep it in my bum bag and I'm yeah. like, you know what, I'm not going to touch it. Yeah, you know, what? I think even <laughs> even just raising awareness of these things, like you said, it's not going to solve problems. You know, speaking to people, two, three day retreats, etc. But sometimes for them to kind of realize the extent of the problem, and especially if even people who you know aren't, of course, involved, but still to know that this is a real problem, and the fact that many of the things we spoke about, a lot of people are going to open up their eyes now and be like, "Wow, we thought maybe it's sinful." spiritually it's going to harm which no doubt it will harm you spiritually even even if you're not addicted to it one off once twice of course these things are sinful you're going to be held accountable for it um but before it gets to a stage that's what we're talking about of becoming addicted these things still long term have an effect so some of the stuff we've spoken about like the health side of things physiological um you know even mentally how it affects you i think it's important to have um these discussions and now i think it's good to kind of speak about the spiritual aspect of things because subhanallah like you said you won't be able to tell you know you could meet a brother who's got a beard for example you know uh, like you said half yeah. years you, yeah. know, you have scholars etc who are kind of in that you know getting involved in these sorts of things but you know long term even on a spiritual level what kind of things can we do um, in order to kind of break free from this um, you know only because yeah of course you know you can continue for example praying salah let's just say for example because we're not saying that these people who are involved that they've left everything else some people are still praying salah and they're still, I mean all of us we, we pray we're still doing our things but we're sitting at the same time right? That's right and everyone has a struggle and for some people the struggle is pornography or right. visual addiction so they might still be praying but you know what would your advice be in that regard in terms of when people start realizing after a while, you know what, I'm praying, but there's something missing inside because of what I'm doing. What would your kind of advice be to these people? Look, most definitely to reach out. You know, just mm. like when you're sick, you know, you go to a GP, you go to a mm. doctor, um, you know, for a solution, for a prescription to help you. Most definitely reach out. Yeah. You know, it's very important. You know, one of the, the things that I encourage is having an accountability partner. Yeah. So a partner where you can reach out to, uh, you can inform them, someone that's trustworthy, someone that you trust, not someone that's going to mock you or judge you. Yeah. And uh, this is very important. Uh, and it helps them along the way, you know, so you have like small goals. So, for example, someone might say uh, after viewing pornography, oh, I'm never going to watch it again, you know. So this is called false quitting, mm. you know. But what tends to happen, whether it's with alcohol, with drugs, you know, mm. with pornography, they tend to they go back, go to, back it. to it mm. because, you know, it's a habit. It's an addiction. Mm. so you know something so small as for example you know what i'm not going to watch pornography today Mm. and then today comes and then you know you've passed a little you know burst of dopamine goes in your mind you've achieved something and then you know the next day you say i'm not going to watch pornography again today 
and then the same thing happens, you know. So now you're starting to get natural hits of dopamine, which is a feel-good hormone, which makes you feel good that you've achieved mm. something. And before you know it, one day turns to two days, two turns to three, three turns to a week, a week turns to a month. Mm. Before you know it, you know, you're three, six, you know, months in and you haven't watched it. And you're like, how did I do this for six months? Mm. But that's just because every day you said, I'm not going to watch it today. S- small steps, basically. Most definitely. Small steps. small steps, but solid steps. Mm. So that's a, that's a technique, a practical strategy that I have with my clients. And that could be the same with anything as well. You can roll it out, you know, with cigarette addiction, with any kind of addiction, alcohol addiction. Have those small steps, mm. you know. Practic- uh, you got to make it practical. So like I said, with my wife and I, for example, and I tell this to my clients, uh, most porn is consumed uh, on your phone. People uh, are consuming porn the most on their phones. So if you're consuming it on your phone, what tends to happen, uh, people are consuming it in private places. You know, you wouldn't see someone consuming porn mm. on the bus. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd see uh, some someone consume it in their bedroom, yeah. in the depths of the night. Mm. So, for example, you know, leave your phone outside. It's a practical step, mm. right? Leave your door open. You know, so I have clients that still stay at home with their parents, for example. Mm. You know, keep your door open, right? So all these little small practical steps that actually help with creating a good environment, which is what we were talking about before. Mm. And slowly, slowly, um, people in this day and age, in every day and age, they need to be spoken to with love and compassion and respect. You know, there was the the story of uh, the companion who went to the Prophet of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and he said, you know, give me permission to commit zina. Mm. And it's a very famous hadith. Uh, imagine, you know, the people around him were like, shh, shh, shh. Yeah. What did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi say? He didn't say, do you know who I am? Mm-hmm. I'm the Prophet of Allah. You know, didn't you read the Quran? It's haram. No. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said, come close. And then he was like kind of coaching him. So he was like, would you like this for your mother? Mm-hmm. He said, no. You know, would you like this for your sister, for your daughter, for your aunt? And he said, no. Mm-hmm. And then the Prophet Sallallahu made dua for him. And as he said that, he never went close to dinner. Mm. So we need to stop, uh, you know, when anyone comes to us, uh, you know, with an addiction, with something in the past, uh, you know, th- th- that's troubling them in secret. Uh, we need to stop being like the haram police. Mm. People know it's Pushing haram. Pushing them away further, that's basically. Right. Yeah. That's right. People know it's haram. Hence, they go to scholars asking them for a fatwa. Mm. But if we treat people with compassion, and mercy and love, uh, and this is the example of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He was He was a mercy to people, mm. you know, to to humankind, to mankind. So, I find when I take that approach with my clients, uh, that actually when they relapse, because relapse is part of the journey, mm-hmm. right? Because it's an addiction, it's a habit. Yeah, they're comfortable in reaching out to me. But if I was to tell them, how dare you? We've been working hard for six months, you know, and you know what have we achieved? Mm. They wouldn't turn back to you. And Allah also mentions this. If the Prophet ﷺ was harsh towards the companions, they would have dispersed from him. Mm. So there's lessons to be learnt, uh, you know, from our leaders, to our scholars, to our imams, to parents, to teachers, uh, you know, to ourselves. We have to start treating people uh, with respect, with love, with mercy, with, with compassion. And only in that way will people start opening up more. And when they do they will be more comfortable. And if they're mm. more comfortable, they want to be around you, which will be a good environment. And يعني, through the will of Allah Azza wa Jal, you will set them free from their shackles of addiction. Mm. I mean, on, on, on just coming to kind of the end of things, uh, there's, there's so much we can kind of discuss. <laughs> um, I think one huge issue in our community is, you know, what I said right at the beginning, which is we don't speak about these things. Uh, and like some of the buzzwords that we've already mentioned today, for example, pornography, <laughs> masturbation, you know, uh, intimacy, sexual health, these kind of things, they're not spoken about. So you wouldn't kind of hear your like average imam giving a khutbah and addressing this issue, though at the same time, it's much needed. And it's something which is there in the community. I mean, for me, it kind of falls under, you know, nahyu anil munkar, right? Like literally forbidding people from doing. If you see that vice, which is prevalent in the community and the stats don't lie, right? That's right. On Australia, in the UK, the West, wherever, like the stats don't lie. And it is a huge issue within especially the, the Muslim community as well. Like we can't shy away from that. So 
how do we kind of overcome that? Like, is it just the fact that people like ourselves just need to kind of come along and just speak about it? Uh, even if, like you said, you like you said, you yourself, you're quite thick-skinned, so you can just take it. You know, someone says, oh, you know, why are you talking about this issue for? Uh, you can just be like, well, I'm just going to carry on. Um, how do you think we can just overcome that? Do you just think we just have to just carry on and just do our thing or anything, any piece of advice there? Look, like I was saying before, sometimes you have to be that shield, you yeah. know, so sometimes you just got to go through, like... Uh, Sometimes when I give khutbas, I've actually talked about pornography uh, yeah. on the member. Mm. Uh, for the most part, uh, I've got good feedback where, where to the extent where I get other khatibs asking for the content to talk about it. Mm. And we've had people actually approach us uh, that were affected by that khutbah, uh, you know, turn out to be clients after. So, mm. you know, we need to start talking about issues that face us today on the member. So if you have a platform... Talk about it, yeah. whether you're a khatib, you know, whether you have a, a, a social media platform, an account, whether you run an institution, an organization, uh, start doing it with wisdom, with hikmah. Mm. Um, and, and I find, uh, you know, a lot of the youth now, because we've lived, uh, you know, uh, in the West for our, like for majority of our life, if not all of our life, we know what people around us are going through. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, the elderly, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve them, they aren't uh, as involved on a grassroots level, uh, mm. you know, and the the issues are changing, you know. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's for those who have the capacity to do so, to talk about it, mm. whatever way that they can, just bring awareness. It could be an SMS, it could be a WhatsApp message, it could be on your social media, it could be a video, yeah. um, whatever way you can. Talk about it, talk about it. And alhamdulillah, uh, in Sydney anyway, we've had mosques open their doors for us to speak about it. We've had workshops at mosques, um, you know, at universities, uh, you know, Twins of Faith, for example, has allowed mm. us to do conferences there, um, you know, my own social media platforms. Um, and alhamdulillah, over the year and a half, for about a year, I was doing it by myself, mm. you know, because uh, the way at Ibrahim Mustazwail, he's located in Perth, and I'm in Sydney. So I was kind of doing doing it by myself. Then another brother jumped on board, and then this year, Subhanallah, the teams jumped from like say two to eight. Oh, so sure. people will wait first and see how you get treated, and mm. after you kind of paved the way, <laughs> then people will jump behind you. So, however way you can spread the message, yeah, um, just like you know the content that you guys beautifully produce, like share. <laughs> it's something so simple, yeah, liking yeah. and sharing. Especially, you know, on social media, mm. it can do wonders. Yeah, of course. And um, just, uh, just uh, kind of, just taking a step back now, uh, just one kind of final piece of advice from yourself in terms of not just pornography, but in general, we spoke about addiction. Could be social media, could be internet, um, whatever it might be. Television, binging on, you know, uh, watching TV shows, whatever your addiction is. Um, just one kind of final piece of advice for anyone addicted to anything, whether it's even smoking, alcohol, etc. Um, what would your piece of advice be for anyone listening, watching across the world? Okay. Put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if I'm speaking to a speaking to someone that yeah, and he wants to get involved mm. uh, in, in in doing good, I would I I'd tell them remember that we're going to be going to our grave. Mm. Remember that we're going to be meeting Allah Azza wa Jal. So prepare something good. Prepare something for yourself. Prepare a project to meet Allah with on the day of judgment. Mm. And you guys, to Allah, <clears throat> great content being run here. Inshallah, this will act. Uh, you know, uh, as something as a sadaqa jaria, mm. you know, where you will meet Allah within you. You will say, you know, we didn't do much, but with the resources that we had, this is what we were able to do. Yeah, Allah, uh, you know, bestow your mercy and forgiveness and, and allow mm. us jannah. So I would tell anyone watching this, uh, you know, get involved in something, do something good. It may be anything small. You know, like it was with us with Brothers in Need when we started feeding the homeless. It, it started off once a fortnight. Mm. But over, you know, four years, it's expanded into two, three states, uh, six days a week. Mm. And now there's a multiple initiatives that follow it. So take your time. You know, like we were saying before, those small but solid steps. Take it easy. Take your time. Um, 
consistency is the key as the prophet of allah sallallahu said you know the most beloved deeds to allah and are the consistent ones even if they are small it's been a pleasure speaking to you about this thank you so much may allah bless you and all your future endeavors and all the projects that you're involved with i mean and um I think we've had some really important discussions uh, and I think, you know, a message to our viewers and listeners is most definitely, you know, like look more into um, these kind of, you know, issues and speak about it, raise awareness and, you know, even this, this podcast episode, like share it and, and, and you know, this is a, one of the best ways that we can just raise awareness, you know, this is one of the reasons why we're creating this content, so share it inshallah, spread it far and wide so more and more people, uh, who knows, you know, someone <coughs> listening or, or watching might actually be struggling with this and and they might be able to reach out to someone for help um brother dean actually uh, if someone did want to reach out for some help how could we find you or any of the organizations you're, you're linked with on, on social media so like you said social media is probably the best way to go about it yeah uh for those in australia in sydney specifically mm. uh, i'm easily accessible you know via phone um or through uh my account yeah so you could reach out to me on my personal account um, and then I can direct them, so depending on where they are, um, you know, alhamdulillah, through uh, well Ibrahim's uh, hard efforts, mm. there has been teams established all around the world to help people in their locality. So if it's not within the Australian uh, demographic, mm. then inshallah, there's a team that we can put uh, yani, uh, to inshallah to help you. Inshallah. Brother Dean Musa, it's been a pleasure. Allah yubarik fiq. khairan. And thank you to all of you for, for tuning in. We hope you've benefited, inshallah. Make dua for us. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Share the video. Subscribe to us on iTunes as well. From myself, Shabir, it's been a pleasure. I'll see you guys soon, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.